Hey folks, we've got something a little special after the closing music for this episode. You ever watch TV and see a character on the phone and wonder what the person on the other side was saying? Well, we did too. And so we had a little fun with Sarah Barnaby's phone call in this episode when she's apparently arranging some kind of event. Stay tuned after the closing music to hear what we think the whole conversation sounded like. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Wrong kind of bass. Oops. <laughs> It's more like oonch, 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 oonch. Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. Guess what? Midsummer Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies. Oh, we got loonies in this episode. And everything else we love. I'm Mark Bell. I'm Sarah Smith-Robbins. And this week, we're talking about Season 18, Episode 2, The Incident at Cooper Hill. Yes. Warning, if you let your kids wear tinfoil hats in in the forest at night and look at strange lights... They can probably... Listen to this. They can probably handle the show. Though it's a bit, it's they, a bit creepy. They, they may relate to this episode. <laughs> it's a bit creepy. There are a few images in it that are effective. Yes, absolutely. And also, this is a spoiler podcast. So if you haven't watched the episode, uh, what are you doing? Go watch it. Go watch it and then come back. My favorite thing on our YouTube comments, and it's happened a couple of times now, is when people complain that our YouTube versions of the podcast are not the actual Midsummer episodes. And one of our dear loyal listeners basically (laughs) says, "Uh, are you broken? You're so (laughs) stupid. (laughs) Nowhere in the description of our YouTube does it say that we're posting episodes. It's not even called Midsummer Murders. No, maniacs. Like, can you read? (laughs) Whatever. That's what people are like sometimes. Broadcast date. 13th of January, 2016, 5.9 million views, directed by Rennie Rye and written by Paul Logue. This entire episode has got to be based on Rendlesham. Okay. Are you familiar with Rendlesham? Sort of. So this is the second... UFO. UFO episode. Midsummer episode. Yes. Yes. The first one is the infamous crop circle nakedness. Yes. And then... Uh, Electric vendetta. Yes. And then there's this one. And so Rendlesham is an event that happened in the UK in December of 1980. It is the Roswell of Britain. Was it an incident? It was a series of incidents. Oh, okay. All right? Well, this this episode's kind of a series of incidents. Well... It was on a bigger scale than this, though uh, nobody died. But so in Rendlesham, which was a a forest, just like we're in a forest here, there was a U.S. military base Mm -hmm. near a British military base. And it was kind of a joint task force, but they were separate, right? Yeah. And so the American soldiers are out doing what they do, running evening patrols and whatever. And a couple of soldiers see some weird lights in the sky. They call the British forces and say, hey, do you see anything on your radar? 
and they say no and the Americans go and they check it out and they see some weirdness in the woods and if you want to know the details there's a gazillion awesome podcasts about it go listen it's a fantastic story yep but it happens over a series of nights starting I think on if I remember right on December 26th that's the night after Christmas so boxing day boxing day yep and happens over a series of uh, several days where lots of people see something, several people experience something, and then, of course, it gets kind of hushed up. Yes, right? of course, because that's how all UFO conspiracies work. But lately, it's kind of come out of the woodwork because now there's been all these releases of information from the U.S. government anyway, in response yes. to a ton of FOIA requests. They finally just said, hey, here, look, here's all the stuff, whatever. And so there's a little bit more information out there now. But what's so notable about Rendlesham is that there were very high level British and U.S. military officials who experienced things, who oh. saw stuff and who had physical evidence of it. Like there were big indents in the dirt from the supposed like tripod legs of this ship that landed. Yeah. There were um, radar, multiple radar sightings. Yeah. I think if I remember right, one guy got kind of burned from touching it, like a freeze burn. Mm. He touched the side of it and it had like symbols carved on the side of the ship and he went to touch them and his fingers got damaged, his hand got damaged. Oh. And what's best about it though, is there is audio. Oh. So you can actually hear the soldiers in the field talking to their base. Yes. And relaying information. And you can hear these men and just how legitimately scared they are about what they are seeing in front of them. Oh, that's it's, super cool. It's super interesting. But it is, like I said, it's the UK's Roswell. So nearly everybody would be familiar with it. And as soon as they saw somebody who was quasi-military, even though she's a, a forest ranger, Felicity at the, in the opening scenes of this episode, you see her on that forest road, you see the bright light and it's like, oh, it's Rendlesham. Yeah. You can't not think about that. Well, I'll put the Wikipedia article for Rendlesham in the show notes so you can go there and read if you want. Yeah. If you are in Rendlesham, thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know how it went. But I, I think it's it's obviously kind of a, a wink and a nod back to that story. Yeah. Clearly, because so. there's military and woods and all yeah. that stuff. But then it goes off the rails. Yes. Into polymer weirdness. It does indeed. So we're in Cooper Hill, which is apparently near Midsummer Stanton. Yes, I noticed that. According to sign. the signs. Yes. And I don't know how we're supposed to see what happened to Felicity since nobody was there but her. But we do get to see yeah. that she's on this road at night doing her forest ranger thing. She stops her car. A bright light comes from the sky, shines on the road in front of her. Moves on to the top of the car. She screams. And the next morning, her car is still there. The truck is still running. Yep. Both doors are open in the front. Her bag is there. The keys are in. The truck's running. And there's one boot in the road. So what had to have happened was the Scooby kids used their UFO. Mm -hmm. I'm calling them the Scooby kids. So it's Orla and... Dylan. Dylan. Used their UFO to create an incident and then flew away and then i can't remember his nathan name. nathan the killer came along and hit her and staged the scene as if he know, we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah but you have a point the ufo sighting what she thinks she sees as a ufo and her death 
are not related. Not in the least. None of the UFO sightings and the deaths are related. Yeah. They just happen to be completely coincidental every single time. No, not every time. Because Sergeant Ali, no, Yasmin, Sergeant, she doesn't Sergeant, see one. Sergeant Ali doesn't see one. But it is a typical abduction scenario, right? The car is left running. She's missing one boot there. Yep. I don't know how her like 12 hole boot falls off. Those are hard to get off after you unlace them. Yeah. Forget it. Absolutely. I, I wondered how long it would take a car to run out of gas. Cause I'd never done that before. Never knew. Like it's one of those things you're like, well, it's, is it an hour or is it depends a day? how much gas is in the tank? Depends how much gas is in the tank, but most full vehicles will last somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to fifty hours. Wow, I hadn't thought about that. So since it's not driving, it's using less fuel. Yep, because it's just sitting still idling. Yes, and I would guess that a forest ranger's truck would probably have a bigger than average tank too. I would think probably so. a twenty gallon, fifteen yeah. gallon tank. And they're they're all okay. Boy, there are a lot of websites that talk about the myths of idling. <laughs> Sometimes you you come across a topic like that and you're like, wow, I never knew there was so much to know about this thing. This is so interesting. And other times you're like, wow, I never knew there were so many people who are interested in this. Why? Yep. Dang. Oh, Why? my gosh. God forbid you say you should let your car run to warm up. That is the biggest conflict point in the car idling interwebs. You can let it run to defrost, but you don't need to warm it up to warm it up. Yeah, the engine's warm immediately, but the car is not No, the inside is freezing. The inside of your car is not warm. Your seat warmer is not warm, and your window's probably not defrosted. No. So that's why you let your car warm up, not to warm up the engine. If you're fortunate enough to have heated seats. Yeah, and you don't let them warm up, you're just wasting that technology. Yeah. Come on. Though there was one time my dad got in my car. I don't think my dad's ever had a car with heated seats. He's kind of a minimal yeah. kind of beat him up truck kind of guy. And I had uh, the seats preheated because I thought he's going to get in and it'd be nice if his seat was warm. And we drove along and I said, let me know if your seat gets too hot because I've got it turned all the way up. And he's like, oh, the, the, the seats are heated? I said, yeah, I warmed it up for you because it's cold. And he's like, oh, good. Like, what? What did you think was going on? He's like, I thought I might have peed a little, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> like, it kind of feels like that. Dad. It can, it can feel And you like weren't going to say that you just peed on my seats? Anyway, they find Felicity in a bag of goo. A bag of goo. I don't know how else to describe it. It's a body bag of goo. It's like the body snatchers. Yeah. Something or other. Get like, Cam up here. Yeah, because she needs to analyze this goo. It almost looks like oil. Yeah. Kind of. It kind of looks like oil. It's like a blackish green. I, stuff. I, I can tell that Neil Dungeon really doesn't like touching. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks gross. And I feel for the actors too because I, I don't think there's they're a, lo a covered lot of, in it. I don't think there's a lot of acting going on for Neil Dungeon when he's touching. <laughs> yeah, because it's gross. Yeah. But just imagine it's so Felicity is played by Belinda McGinley. And I feel for her because oh, she has to be in that 
What did they have to do? So she probably stood there in in her wardrobe, right? And they ladled goo all over her and then laid her down on a sheet of plastic and wrapped it around her, probably not over her face. Yeah. Right? But so she could breathe and all that. But yuck. (laughs) (laughs) It was it was a bad day on the set. I'm impressed. With the actors who have to be covered in it. Yeah. It's It's really gross. It's fantastic staging. And then the next shot of the episode, I spend maybe 20 minutes. (laughs) And you're like, what do you mean? Are you at the the car shop? At the repair shop? No. Before that. What's before that? There is a tiny little shot of the Cooper Hill kind of downtown. Oh, you love the street scenes, don't you? I do. First of all, there is a Cooper Hill sign, Mm -hmm. and it has the same weird symbol above it that the town sign in the last episode had. So so there's a conspiracy. There's something going on. You got to add that sound effect in there. You got to tell us. What is that symbol? Yeah, absolutely. Then there's a big sign for Costa Nails, which I'm always looking for all the time anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I noticed there's a guy with balloons and he has alien balloons. Did you notice? That th- no. This is like five seconds of the episode. No, I must have blinked or looked down at my notes or something. Yeah. I completely missed yeah. that. <laughs> and then Victor runs in through it. That's it. Like, but that shot, that exact shot without the guy in the balloons is used again later as B-roll. Ah. It's sunny in the same way. It's the exact same shot I looked. So are they like like green alien head balloons? Yes. Or are they shaped like alien heads I or think what? there are pink ones and green ones. <laughs> pink ones? Yes. Oh, like not penguins. No, not penguins. I thought you said penguins and green ones. Pink so ones. Like penguin aliens? No. I don't even know what that would look like. And there's a blue car facing us. I checked the number plate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you have a problem. <laughs> You have a problem. All I know is that the ton of auto body car repair shop is quite possibly the most disorganized, dirty automotive shop I've ever seen. I, if I pulled in there, I would be like, no. No, you're not touching my car. No. Like, what is that entire rack of dusty crap that's right next to the car you're working on? I want to know what... The sawmill where the Scooby kids run their UFO experiments out of? That's a giant building downtown. It's awesome. And has really expensive sawmill equipment still in it. It does. Did the sawmill people not notice it? (laughs) (laughs) So outside of Nathan's auto repair is a big blue sign. Yes. With three triangles on it. Okay. And it says vehicle testing site. Okay. Do you know what that is? Well, is that like when you have to get your vehicle tested for emissions and things like yes, that? Yes. So that it can be licensed and you can sell it and all that. That stuff. is the MOD vehicle testing site sign that says you can go there to have the exhaust tested to get your car certified. Yes. Right? It's interesting that the MOD is three triangles. Yes. The MOT later is three circles in yes. a very similar arrangement. I did notice that there was hmm. a similarity there. So we've got a few families we need to know. We've got the Tanovs, who are Abigail, who drives the alien tour bus. I want to go on that alien tour so bad it's not fun. That bus is fantastic. The bus is fantastic. The people on the alien tour are fantastic. She is fantastic. I love that little chubby woman with her headlight. Yep. She's great. The fact that 
she's almost killed is the saddest when when Barnaby finds her and she's scared. Mm. Oh, Abigail. Yeah, yeah. So and her son Nathan. Yes, who runs the auto body shop and is the, the killer. killer. The killer. Then we have the Campbells, Nadine and Victor, who run the Crown Inn. Yes, and their daughter Orla. Yes. Then the Fords, Veronica and her ex-husband, Captain Jeremy, and their daughter, Felicity, who is our first victim. And I think if you have eyes that have looked at a device that provides entertainment to you, you've probably seen Captain Ford in something. Pip Torrens? He's literally in a gazillion things. He's one of those, that guy. He. And He's he, like, that, you know, the guy, the guy who's in the thing and the other thing and the yep. lots of things. He's in, he's in so much, including like Oxford Blues and like a whole bunch of 90s classic movies also. Well, Alison Stedman, who plays Abigail, she's been in things yeah. all over the place too. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, it's just kind of the case with an older actor that yes. they've been in a lot of things. But um, we've seen her as a one episode character in a Poirot or a Marple yep. or something like that. Yeah. And she was also in, did you know that she's in Baron Munchausen? A lot of people are in that movie. <laughs> There's a lot of people in that movie, but she plays as... Di- she plays Daisy in Baron Munchausen. Between Baron Munchausen and Eric the Viking. Yeah. And like Doctor that, Who. That's that all the British it, actors right there. A lot that, of that's it. That's yeah. everybody. If they were born, then they're in it. Uh, Nathan's played by Steve Oram. Do you remember where we first saw him? Mm-mm. It was in a movie called Sightseers. Oh, yes. Where he and his wife or girlfriend are. Like murderous? Yeah. It's very funny though. <laughs> like we can't say anything more than that. No. It is a dark, dark comedy. But it is very funny. It's very funny. It's absolutely worth watching. And very sad all on top of but it. But still. Yeah, it's very it's good. Sightseers. But he's the husband. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. There is this military base, right? The MOD RAF military base where Captain Ford is the big boss. He's the officer in command. Commanding officer. He's a CO. Yeah. We were talking about this before we started recording that when they got permission to film there, they must have been elated. Yeah, so they walk through this hangar. Yeah. That is where par- helicopters are being repaired. It's clear that that's what's going on there, but yeah. they say, oh, we're just storage and radar now. Like, well, then why are all these helicopters being repaired I'm, here? I'm going to go on, on record saying this may be the greatest set on Midsummer. It's awesome. It is, it is movie quality material because it's real because it's real i think what they got is permission to walk down the middle yes and they they walk both ways yeah but down the middle yeah and they probably shot everything there in a day all the scenes that are in that hangar in a day yep absolutely because when we're in captain ford's office that's probably a completely different building completely different thing you know and uh, they always stay between the lines they're all they <laughs> and you don't see anyone else and well there is one mystery person well yes there's the mystery person but you're meant to see him the mystery person who leaves through the door yeah is that who you're talking about yes who leaves through the level six restricted door level six restricted do you know what level six is no so these have changed uh mm-hmm. they're they're they've simplified them down to three levels now yes. 
But at the time, level one through six would be unclassified, protect, restricted, four is confidential, five is secret, and six is top secret. That is the highest level. Now, is that related to MI6 too? No, that MI6, MI5, that's that's completely different. Yeah. But the fact that that is top secret in, in the U.S., like Roswell is only five. Yes. You know? Okay. Six, six would be things like nuclear codes and the identity of covert agents and stuff like that. Yeah. So the fact that their radar room is six instead of like five. So the, that there's that amazing set. Mm-hmm. And then there's the level six door. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they come to his office. With the RAM on his desk? What is what? up with that? Goat Does head he have thing? a satanic goat head <laughs> on his? Like, it is not just a, a normal little Rammy Ram. Oh, no. That could easily have been in any Satanist <laughs> part episode that we saw. It could have been. It's a giant goat head. If it is solid brass, it is a weapon. You could certainly <laughs> hold down some papers with it. Yeah, like you could with a bowling ball. Like, it's huge. And then no, no, no. It's not as huge as the biggest thing in his office, though. What? Did you see his TV? Oh, yeah, yeah. What is he watching I on don't know. EastEnders or something? He's reviewing military <laughs> footage. It's very it's important. Giant TV. It's very, very important. He's so gruff. Yes. Felicity But he was... plays that character in everything. Oh, yeah. And he plays it well. Oh, yeah. And every once in a while, though, Pip Torrens plays a character that's like that on the outside, but is kind on the inside. Yes. I like when he plays that kind of character. Because he's, he's good at he's being a very, kind, too. He's a very good actor. Yeah. So Felicity is engaged to Brogan Steele. Yes, I have Brogan Steele all in capital letters. Who is the least <laughs> Brogan Steele guy ever. Why is Brogan Steele in this episode? He doesn't need to be. <laughs> but his name should be something like Softy McPushover. Like... Not Brogan Steel. Brogan Steel. MI6 agent investigating security level six. Yeah. Like, that's Brogan Steel. Like, he's the kind of guy who you don't call bro for short. It's not him. Meanwhile, her mother is drinking. <laughs> Poor Veronica. Veronica has great hair. She does have some... That, that fringe, I noticed it. It's not a haircut that I would want. She, she just... She makes She's this, beautiful. She makes the straight... Straight across fringe, not Work. look Romulan. Yeah, yeah. And that is... Amazing. Nor is it so long that it's in her eyes, which always nope. gets on my nerves, too. No. <laughs> the woman has some beautiful hair. Oh, we've got one more family. The Faulkners. The Faulkners. Carter and Dylan. Oh, poor Carter. Poor Dylan. They're the ones who live in the camper in the woods. And They're it, the ufologists. Well, Carter is a ufologist, right? Yep. But Dylan... Initially, you think he's kind of like a, a huffy jerk, you yep. know, because he like shuts the door and he kind of stomps off a lot. But then you find out he's actually a really awesome son. Yes. Because he's done this amazing thing for his dad. His dad has terminal cancer and he's lived the last, you know, 30 years wanting to recapture this experience that he had with this UFO. And his son is doing everything he can to recreate that for him. Yes. And it it reminded me of something. Yeah. It reminded me of Ski Jesus. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Dylan's completely Ski Jesus. You have to explain that. So, now. okay. This is a little aside, 
but Sarah and I do a lot of tech stuff. And one of the things in the early 2000s, it would be like 2007 or 8, yeah. was a, a game that you played on your iPhone where you... It was a territorial acquisition game. And there were a lot of games like that yep. where you it used the mobility of your phone to allow you to claim a geographic area that you were actually in. So an actual area. So you could occupy a block and claim it, you know, a block on the map, on the actual map. Yep. And the game kind of overlaid the map, right? And Sarah was very interested in this game, but no one else was playing it. If if nobody else in your city is playing it, it's really boring. You just claim everything and you just go, oh, well, I guess that's it. And then Ski Jesus appeared. Oh, my gosh. I was playing this game. I'm claiming everything. I keep showing Mark. I'm like, look what I got today. I got this whole area. And because I have held this whole area for so long, I'm like, I'm acquiring all these resources. I'm building all these armies. Like, if anybody else starts playing this game, psh, I'm going to kill them right away. They're never going to be able to take over my town. Then I kind of got bored with it because yeah. nobody else was playing. So I didn't check it for a few days. And then I fired it up because I was somewhere in town that I hadn't been recently. And I thought, well, I may as well just claim this side of town too. And some ass had taken everything. Ski Jesus took everything. Some user named Ski Jesus... I was irate. I came home and I'm like, look what this ass has done. All the stuff that I spent so long claiming, I look away for a couple of days. Ugh. So then there was driving around town. This guy's going down. Ski Jesus <laughs> yelling and all sorts of things. And this went on for easily. A couple of days. A couple of Just days. Just a couple of days. And then you admitted that you were Ski Jesus. <laughs> I was Ski Jesus. So uh, and I didn't I know felt, whether to be mad or moved. I felt bad for Sarah because she wanted to play this game and she had no one to play against. So I downloaded the game and played as Ski Jesus. And I would go out on walks. And I should I would, have known. I acquired all this area because I went out walking and I took it all back. I should have known. I should have been able to look at the map and go, wow, you've claimed that and that and that and that and that and that. And said, wait a minute. That's the route that Mark runs. It's Mark. <laughs> But it was such a wacky username that I never thought. Yeah, you didn't believe me at first. I had to show <laughs> you, you showed the app me the app game. on your phone, and I'm like, "Damn it! Thanks. That's nice of you. You're so sweet. Damn it!" So, <laughs> so he's doing ski Jesus to his dad. He's going so far out of his way to do something for his dad. Yeah, he's he's that made, he can't tell him about. He's made a UFO so that his dad feels vindicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about their camp. Okay. Because wow, do they have a lot of tech junk. That sits outside. Does it sit overnight? What happens if it rains? I don't know. Also, you need two Van de Graaff generators. A Van de Graaff generator, if you don't know, which is very hard to say, apparently. I just yes. said generator. Generator. A Van de Graaff generator are the two big metal balls that have like sparks, lightning that fly between them. Everybody's yes. seen them like in yeah. the background of a movie or it's alive. It's a Van yep. de Graaff generator. Um, there's one there with yes. the big ball. But you need two because it has to have some place for the spark to jump to. But whoever did the set dressing here had a really good time because yes. they grabbed 
every kind of techno junk they could and bolted it together, cobbled it together, stuck it to the side of the trailer, you know, stacked it on top of each other. It's great. And the inside of their trailer is great too. It's yeah. it's all like it's all plastered with UFO conspiracy crap. And yeah. and Carter's wardrobe is awesome too. Carter Carter has a tinfoil hat. His little Elmer Fudd hat is lined with tinfoil. His coat is lined with tin. It's actually mylar fabric, but it looks like foil, which is super well done. Do you know where tinfoil hat comes from? No. Oh, my God. I fell down a rabbit hole. I mean, I know what it's for. You you wear a foil hat to, to bounce back, like, rays or lasers or whatever somebody's trying to read your mind or however that works right yes. that's the idea anyway. that's the idea yeah right it doesn't work it actually amplifies probably yeah things and you know there's if you put your head near a microwave it's probably gonna explode references to a bunch of movies that have tinfoil hats yeah. and a weird owl has a song called foil in which he wears a tinfoil hat <laughs> okay it's, so well, first of all it's aluminum foil not tinfoil right when i was a kid we always called it tinfoil so yeah so where does it come from? It comes from the brother of a famous person. Okay. And the brother is named Julian. Okay. And in 1927, this brother named Julian wrote a work called The Tissue Culture King. It's It appears an amazing story. And the quote is, well, we had discovered the metal was relatively imperious to telepathic effect and had prepared ourselves a sort of tin pulpit behind which we could stand while conducting our experiments. This combined with caps of metal foil enormously reduced the effects on ourselves. Okay. So this is 1927. All right. Now, tinfoil hats before this was like a kind of name for foil hats that you might get in a cracker. Okay. Right. Like a Christmas cracker. Yeah, but yeah. this is the original. This is Julian Huxley. Ooh, Aldous Huxley's brother? Aldous Huxley's brother. Aldous Huxley of Brave New World fame. Yes. Interesting. It's a British term. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool to know. Yeah. I'm glad you found that. Absolutely. What else is um, in the Faulkner's, uh, I, n- I don't know if I want to call it a camper or a, a RV or... I don't know what you want to call it. Anyway. It's part, it's part of the whole notion of caravans being linked to ufo ufologists. 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 Or ufologists. Ufologists. Cuz they're on the go, right? Yep. Cuz they got to follow the uf- UFOs. You see it in X-Files and all sorts of things. There's all kinds of like sketches of aliens and yep. codes and hieroglyphics and there's a whole sheet of Arabic. Yeah. But what caught my eye was a photocopy of a page of, of a scientific like textbook or something that is about Fermi's paradox. Do you okay. know about Fermi's paradox? So Fermi's paradox is actually made reference to, I think, all by, over the place. <laughs> no, but by the episode earlier when John is like, "Why would they ever come here?" Mm-hmm. Right. So the idea of Fermi's paradox is the universe is so big. Mm-hmm. And the universe is so old mm-hmm. and the universe could be so multiple Yeah, that the chance of two alien races running into each other is le- incredibly unlikely. That's not exactly it. Okay. It's that the universe is so big, so old and so vast that the chances of us being the only intelligent life are infinitesimal. Yeah. There must be other intelligent life. 
I, there, there must statistically, be, there must be other intelligent life. But the fact that intelligent life would share the same time frame as we would and be able to cross the vast differences make it nearly impossible for alien well, coexistence. That's one of the reasons. So. Fermi, he was an Italian scientist. He came up with this paradox. Yeah. And what's funny is he came up with it sort of on a whim, like walking back from dinner at a conference with some other scientists. He's like, well, what are the chances that we're like the only ones? I mean, it's, it's so, it's, that's silly. Yeah. And then he kind of ran with it. And statistically, he's, he's right. Given all of that, the statistics just say it's it's very, very likely that we're not the only ones, right? I have absolutely no doubt in life on other planets. Intelligent life existing in the same time frame as us, I have a problem with. Yeah, so now you're getting at, so there's lots of explanations of if that's true, why have we not encountered intelligent life from other places, right? Yeah. So it could be that the more intelligent a species is, the more likely they are to be self-destructive and go extinct, right? Yeah. And so the lifespan of human beings is a blip in the overall timeline of the yeah. universe. And so the chances are, if there's another intelligent race, they may not have existed the same time that we do. Or we've been broadcasting signals, but only for a very short period of time in the span of the universe, right? Tiny. So it's like one, one Morse code beep over the course of a year. Yes. Right? Or, or less, yeah. really. And the chances of somebody hearing that one beep are slim. We are far more likely to run into the remnants of ancient civilization. Or them, us. Or them, us, when than we're we are an ancient civilization. running into them. Right. And physically, it takes a lot more resources to travel than to um, transfer information. Yes. Right? So it's much more likely that we will receive information rather than ever seeing them. Yeah, and that information may be millions of years old. It could be that everybody's listening, but nobody's transmitting. Yeah. So we're all listening for each other and being really quiet. Yep. <laughs> and so we're never going to hear each other. Or they they are there and they've decided that we're too dangerous or we're not worth knowing. Yeah. Or the last explanation is they're here already and we just don't know it. I don't believe that. <laughs> A lot of people do. I think it's fun to believe that. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I want, like, I was like, as a kid, I was like, aliens, come and get me. Yep. Please. Yep. <laughs> it, that, is, that is a dream. Absolutely. So here's something else I don't understand, speaking of paradoxes. When Carter's in his camper, he's hitting his equipment, slapping it, trying to get it back online, whatever. And on his laptop, we see a short blip of footage of Cooper's Hill, Cooper Hill from high above. Yes. Has he hacked a satellite? I think he must have. Is that what he's supposedly done? Yeah, that's, that's supposedly what he's done. How would a radar interfere with uh, that? Oh, well... His equipment is magical. <laughs> I guess it is. He says that his encounter with aliens is on August 4th, 1984. Yes. Which would be four years after Rendlesham. Yeah. And 84 is a year when a whole lot of UFO stuff happened. It was almost like in the mid-50s when there was that craze of everybody seeing stuff all over the place. 84 was another year when people seemed to be just kind of primed. To see things? To me, 84 is 
the very vestigial ends of before the information age. Vestigial ends? You mean vestigial's beginning? Well, sorry, the beginning of... The very beginning of the end? Of of the the time before the information Ah, age. Ah, okay. It was just on the edge of it. Because we had computers before that and stuff like that. But they weren't all networked and it wasn't... Weren't all networked and anything like that. There was was no UFO forum yet. Yeah. Where you could upload your videos. No, no. And and Barnaby could watch them. It was a very weird year. 1984 was a strange gig, man. Do you want to guess what the number one song was on August 4th, 1984? Okay. Music Man. The number one song, August 1984. So I would say, no. Madonna song, maybe? Nope. No. What is it? When Doves Cry. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Dun, 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 that every dun, dun, single dun, dun, human dun. being listened to that Prince record. That, that was the first half summer. of August. The second yeah. half of August, there was a different song that took over, and that was the theme from Ghostbusters. Yeah, I can Ray see Parker that. Jr. Little, it's his number one. Little Ray Parker Jr. I started grade 10 four weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> so then Abigail's in the woods. Yes. And she sees a bright light, falls into a ditch, and passes out, basically. Poor Abigail. She kind of gets... She's a murderer! Yes. She killed her husband. Yes. Poor Abigail. Killer. I I love how she's explaining that she killed her husband, and it's like, oh, well, you're taking my son away, but you don't need to take me away. (laughs) No, she knows she's going to go. They're like, uh, no. Well... She's sort of proven that she's not a menace to society because she hasn't killed anybody since. That we know of. That we know of. (laughs) I have in my notes, you made that old lady run. (laughs) (laughs) And roll into a ditch. Yep. So then Cam says, I think I know what the goo is. Yes. It's a polymer of carbon, hydrogen, and nitrogen. Yes. But it's unstable. Because it's an old batch. What? Every chemist in the audience head explodes. You know what polymer that is most closely associated with? The, the description there? Uh, Can you... Motor oil. No. So 14 carbons, 2 nitrogens, and 10 hydrogens. If you added 2 oxygens, which she doesn't mention, that's Kevlar. Oh, okay. So it's like liquid Kevlar. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's yuck, no matter what it is. Yeah. What do you think it really is? What do you think they used? Like corn syrup and food dye? But it's slimier than that. Yeah. Like it's like you could you could put it between your fingers and it kind of stretches a little bit. It's like bit. gooey. So it's... Treacle. <laughs> no, because it's uh, it's a little bit too opaque for that or, or transparent for that, really. Yeah. Um, it's, it's cosmic treacle. <laughs> <laughs> Alien treacle. I was thinking it's more like that, um, uh, like a watery version of that slime you can make with kids that has like Elmer's glue but, and cornstarch. Yeah, but it's so black. And water. And greeny. And then you put food coloring in it. And yeah. if you added extra water, it might look like that. I'd love to know what they actually used because yeah. it has to be something skin safe. Yeah. And it doesn't stain because yeah. if that stuff stained your skin, you'd be so in trouble. Oh my gosh. You'd be in bad shape. I'd be so happy to get that crap off me. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe somebody who listens, uh, who's made a lot of slime with their kids can tell us if you added extra water to it, would it look like that? And then Cam finds a catkins. Do you know what a catkin is? Catkin is a male part of a tree that produces 
and releases pollen. There are female catkins too. Oh, there are? Yes. Okay. And when they talk about the tree, she's like, this is a girl tree. You want to know how I know? Oh, Cam is annoying in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Charlie here. And he says, does anybody ever get under your skin? Like, yeah. So black poplars, the, the story that they tell together about the the, the Greek gods and yep. all that, that's, that's all a real story and everything. But the thing about black poplars is that they are dioceous, dioceous. Okay. D i o c i o u s. Okay. Which means they are a plant that has separate male and female plants. Yes. So there are boy poplars and girl poplars. Yes. And the boy poplars have catkins that have red flowers on them, and the girl poplars have catkins that are a yellow green color. Okay. So she must have noticed the color of the catkins and saw that they were yellowy green, which means it's a girl poplar. Okay. But not all poplars are girls. Black poplars are girls, no. obviously. We find out she has a posy ring. Mm-hmm. Right? Felicity had a posy Felicity ring. Felicity had a posy ring, and it has German on it. Mm-hmm. For keeper of my heart. Hutter minus Herzens. Do you want to know about posy rings? Yes. <laughs> Of all the things I looked into, I think this is my second favorite of this episode. Oh, really? And my first favorite, we haven't even got to yet. Okay. So I found this great site called Worski. They are jewelers with a royal warrant, if that tells you anything. Okay. And they deal with, well, right now they have several Fabergé objects they're selling, if that oh, tells you. Okay. So they um, have come across posy rings, historical posy rings for a long time, and they keep a uh, a list of the inscriptions that are on the inside of them. Yes. And a lot of them you would expect. They're like, to my love, you know. So what is a posy ring? Uh, so it's actually poesy, P-O-E-S-Y. Okay. And it's like poetry ring. Oh, okay. Right? So it it's named for the fact that it has an inscription. Okay. And the idea is that the inscription's on the inside because when it's against your skin, it's more meaningful than okay. if it was on the outside, okay. if that makes sense. Yep. It's like tattooing someone's name onto you. They, they don't always come in pairs. Mm-hmm. So if you gave someone like a sweetheart ring with an inscription on the inside, even if it was the only one, you, it would still be a posy ring. Still- but they, they frequently came in pairs like wedding rings do. Like we both, we both wear one and they're the same. Yes. Right. So I went through the list of things and a lot of them are things that you would expect, but I have pulled out a few of the things that uh, I was sort of surprised to know anybody had ever inscribed in a ring that was supposed to be for a loved one. Okay. Are you ready for these? Yes. A dutiful servant deserves rewards. (laughs) Well, that's how it is in that house. Uh Uh-huh. Now this one, I don't, I don't, I don't even understand. A kiss for peeping? P-E-P-I-N-G. For pepping. A kiss for pepping? Peeping? <laughs> I don't know. That's how it is in your house. How about this one? After consent, ever content. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I get your daughter, too. Yeah. <laughs> As I deserve, so I desire. Yeah. Now, granted... A lot of them were very sweet. I've not noted those because no, they're no fun. They're no fun. Denial is death. <laughs> a lot of these are give it up, girlfriend. Yeah. I'm done waiting. Yep. I'm not going to brogan, okay? <laughs> More than words. <laughs> yeah. 
Brogan's, he's saving himself. But a lot of these rings are like, okay. okay. No, Brogan is not saving himself. <laughs> he is delusional. Okay. I like my choice. That's nice. How's that? What God has chosen, I have obtained. Okay. <laughs> you're mine, and God says so. God says you're that? mine. I long to have, but blush to crave. Okay. I, I, I'm horny for you, and it's embarrassing? I guess. I guess. <laughs> Let liking last. How can you say that without saying licking? <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely different ring. <laughs> but, like, I hope you like me for a while. Like... <laughs> It's not, I love you, I love you forever. Our love is eternal. It's, and, so, and a lot of them said something like that. But let liking last? Not only is it hard to say, but it's like, I, I hope you dig me for a bit, sure. you know? <laughs> Yield and conquer. Mm-hmm. Success to our fleet. <laughs> yeah, what the heck is that about? I do not know. Is fleet standing Code in for something? For our children? <laughs> or... I don't know, other swimmers? Maybe. <laughs> maybe they run a trucking company. <laughs> and the last, but my favorite, is meet me at midnight. Every day? I guess. <laughs> like, that's somebody really wealthy. If they can pass you notes in gold rings. Yeah. You know, like, you get another one that says... On, Do you like me? On, yes. On Tuesday. No. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or like... I like strawberries. How about you? Check yes or no. You know? <laughs> like, what? Meet me at midnight. Meet me at midnight. After consent, ever content. <laughs> that is a date rapey ring. I'm sorry. Our fleet will live on. Success to our fleet. That's the kind of ring message that I think Captain Ford would give you. Well, Captain... <laughs> Captain Ford has a, a problem on his hands because he doesn't realize his daughter's the gay. Do you think he really doesn't? I think he knows. I think he probably knows. And he's keeping it to himself. Well, we know he knows because we know Victor, who also doesn't need to be there at all, tells no. him. No, Victor doesn't need to be there at all. Victor and Nadine are interesting. Because so Victor is former military. Uh, right? When she announces she's a programmer, did you go, what? What? <laughs> what? Not because women can't be programmers. But because Not because blonde women can't be programmers. Not because any of the other things. Because but what she he's th fixing the computer later. Yes. On. Yes. <laughs> she's like slapping the monitor, going, this computer doesn't work. And she used to be a programmer for the MOD. M yeah, MOD. I am like. That is the biggest problem I have with her in the episode. Blah, 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 blah. This booking system. Why is it even... That scene, it's uh, bizarre. Why are they talking about the booking system? <laughs> <laughs> did you see the lava lamp in the end? I did see the lava. It's shaped like a rocket. It's shaped like a rocket. Of course, because they're trying to appeal to those UFOers. Did you see the sign in the pub? Because they run the hotel in the pub. Did you see what the was... The 80s and 90s night? The 80s and 90s night, which it had... Sounds like fun. Which had what else on it? Mm. Alien faces and Saturn planets. Ah. But they also have a quiz next Tuesday at 7.30. So disco, disco alien night is Friday the 10th at 8 p.m. Fun. If this is an alien quiz, what alien quiz questions are they going to ask? Hmm. 
They, they have to have a movie and TV section. Yeah, I would think obviously. so. And they would have like a history section and they yeah. would ask about like Roswell and Rendlesham yeah. and stuff like that, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think they would have fun. By the way, we need food for 14. Oh my God. How are we going to do that? We're a restaurant. Yeah, but they're still opening. They haven't even set the tables yet. <laughs> I think they're like five hours early. Again, it is a restaurant that is run by three people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really two. Yes. Because Victor not only runs and, ha- and, you know, sees guys with balloons, used to be in the military, but he's also the chef, apparently. Yes. Another interesting sign, and this was my favorite thing to, to <laughs> research, is that when Abigail's in the hospital and yes. Barnaby and Nelson go to see her the first time, there's an outside shot of the hospital. Yes. One part of that shot is an ambulance. Another part is a nurse walking a man in robe and slippers across the street. I don't, where is where she taking him? She where has he been? Is she my, bringing him back? Did he in, wander away? It's in my notes. Where did he wander I off know. To? But the hospital sign says that the Henry Tudor ward yes. is also in this building. Yes. And you know who Henry Tudor is. Well, he's a king, isn't he? It's Henry VIII. Yes. Henry Tudor was not a model of health. No. All right. No. Nor did he donate the money for this ward so no. it should be named after him. No, he did not. So I decided to try to figure out what that ward must specialize in. Okay. If Henry Tudor is the mascot, basically, yep. for the ward. Here are the things that were wrong with Henry Tudor that they might be treating there. Okay. Other than starting your own religion, dissolution, and then of the... Chopping off your wives' heads, that kind of thing. Inability to get a divorce. Right. All those things. Those hospitals can't help with that. No. Right? No. no. Severe head injury. Okay. From jousting. Okay. It would have to be... I know he did joust. When he was a young man, he was very active and athletic. But this one jousting accident caused most of his health problems. Okay. He had other problems. Yeah. Leg ulcers. Ugh. It could be about that. Yep. He also had smallpox. Yep. Malaria. Yep. Cushing's syndrome. Do you know what Cushing's syndrome is? Um, you appear in movies with... Peter uh, Cushing. Peter Cushing and other hammer horror people. No, no. no. Cushing's syndrome is caused by either um, uh, higher levels of cortisol in your body that is a naturally produced hormone in your body or by overexposure to steroids. Oh. And it causes you to get, your belly gets really big, but your arms and legs lose all of their muscle tone. So you have really scrawny arms and legs, but a big midsection. And you develop a fatty hump in the middle of your back. Ew. Ew. Sorry if anybody has that. It yeah. sounds horrible. Yeah. But that would be a weird ward. Yeah. He also had diabetes. Yeah. Gout. Yeah. And syphilis. Wow. So this is either a ward that treats all kinds of stuff. <laughs> or head injuries. Or, hey, are you um, um, a murderous, power-hungry bastard who doesn't take care of himself? We can help. Maybe the guy in the robe is one of those. <laughs> They're returning him to the Tudor ward. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was so weird to like name a hospital ward after Henry Tudor. <laughs> He's the least model of health ever. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) The most obese British monarch ever. He weighed over 400 pounds when he died. And still had armor made to fit him. Of course he did. You imagine? They must have melted down like three sets of armor to make armor to fit him. 
him. Yeah. It would have been humongous. Yes. And he never wore it, of course, because he wasn't going into battle. No. With syphilis and gout and ulcers and smallpox and malaria and all of his anger issues. Ah, well. So one of the ufologists is just wandering around in the forest. and I love her. And finds... Do we ever find out what her name is? No. Okay. I think she might be Kath Jones. Okay. Who is in the credits. Okay. She has speaking parts. She has speaking parts, so she should appear in the credits. And Ginny Dale, who plays her, I I couldn't find any photos of her, so I I can't verify that that's who she plays. But I love that character. She's She's, so funny. Abigail says she never stops talking. (laughs) Yeah, she's fun, though. Yes. She finds Allie. Allie hanging from a tree again, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, that can't be the actress in that bag. They've got to use a, no. a mannequin. Something got to be in a there. mannequin, uh, at least when it's hanging, right? Yeah. Then they also find the shallowest grave ever dug. It looks like a baby doll grave. It doesn't yes. even look big enough for a human. No, it doesn't. And this guy was six feet tall. Yeah. It's not even six feet long. And this is Eric Tonov. This is Abigail's husband and Nathan's dad. Yes. I know exactly how he died before Abigail even admits it. Okay. Because he was last seen in a blue suit jacket and red corduroy pants. Yes. You know who killed him? Who? The fashion police. The fashion police. Well, when they open up that freezer and they find his dead body, in my notes it says, best bed body ever. It's not. I have a screenshot of it. Yeah. it's it... No, part of it, super well done. Yeah. But then there's a um, a screw in the middle of the uh, rib cage with an Allen wrench head on it. I noticed that. That kind of takes it away. Yeah. <laughs> Which is too bad because the rest of it's really well done. You're only you only see it for just seconds. No, I saw it for a lot longer yeah. than that because I paused it and went. Paused what is that? Took a picture. <laughs> is there possibly any explanation for that? Like, is there a hole in your in your lower sternum that I don't know about or something? No. 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 That's a screw. Okay. Yeah. He was the chief engineer at Cooper Hill, and they claimed that he sold secrets to the Russians, but in fact, he was just going to run off with Veronica, she of the great fringe. And so his wife bashed him on the head with a rock. That, it, it is simple jealousy that caused his death. And it's, it's so cruel. I mean, granted, he, he may have been a real jerk, right? Yeah. But he's still her son's father. Yeah. So unless he was going to kill her and she killed him in self-defense, which is not the case, that is an evil thing to do to your child. Oh, she... To kill his father. She traumatizes her child for years, so much so that he kills three people. When she apologizes to him and says, I'm sorry I took your dad away, like, yeah, because that's what you did. And That's really bad. Okay, so he kills Veronica because they find the body. Mm -hmm. He kills... Allie, because she knows about the body. Right. Yeah. The third motive is difficult. Yeah, it is. It's difficult. And that's Mr. Faulkner. My notes say, Carter UFO, explosion, bang, vat. (laughs) (laughs) But before that, okay. Yeah. So when Barnaby and Carter are talking, there's this awesome thing that happens. Okay. So they're sitting on a log in the woods and Barnaby's really listening to him. Yeah, he is. And Carter's talking about this experience he had that changed his fundamental understanding of the universe Yep. and became his life's work. It was profound. Yeah. 
And then he, Barnaby says, we saw the symbol in the bunker. And Carter makes his erroneous connection. Yes. That no, the, the MOD must have captured it. And I've got to go tell them not to come back. And he runs off. And Barnaby stands up and sort of rubs his face like, oh. And in the background, in the woods, you hear, cuckoo, cuckoo. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice that, but yeah. Some sound engineer had a lot of fun because it is definitely a comment on Carter. Cuckoo, cuckoo. (laughs) It's at 57 minutes, 14 seconds, if you want to see. (laughs) I I noticed also that the symbol that they find is the flux capacitor. Oh, is it? Yes. It's the, the three circles in the central circle. Yeah, that... And this is, of course, after Back to the Future. Yeah, it's clearly a flux capacitor. I wonder if they're both derivative of another symbol. It of might like be. Of a, a symbol from physics well, or something like a that. a triangle. So. Yeah, I mean, it's circles connected yeah. by lines. Yeah. So it's not that hard, but... It's not that hard. And then Brogan finds his body. Brogan Steel. Okay, so before that, though, there is what I feel the best scene okay. in the episode, which is the UFO scene. Yes. Okay. Faulkner comes out of his trailer, knows something is up. His radar is not working, so he's yeah. going up to fiddle with the he's antenna. Going up to fiddle, and we get that shot—the wind blowing, his face lit up. Yeah, looking up into the sky with a bright light in his yeah. face. That's and we iconic see UFO. a craft. Yeah, you know, at this point in time. We, we don't know what it... We could have thought it was a helicopter. I remember... Yeah, I when always we thought it was a helicopter. When we first saw this, I thought yeah. it was helicopters, because yeah. they see, they definitely have helicopters at the base. Right. But you see this, and you're like, oh, that's not that's a That's not a helicopter. That's not a helicopter. Do you think that's a CGI creation there? Or No, the, I think it's on a crane. I think, I think it's, it's hanging it's, from a crane. I think it's on a crane. Did you notice the X-Files music that plays during that scene? <laughs> no, oh, I was still reeling over it, the cuckoo. It, I didn't it's notice It's all... <laughs> yeah, it's all... It's super well done, though. Yeah. They did a really good job. They, so one of those shots I used for the reminder this week. Good. I, like, I really feel sad for Carter Faulkner in this episode. because I do and I don't, because he died thinking that it was real. Yeah. So that's okay. But there's no good reason for him to die. He says that he saw him spilling the resin in the woods... Which, why would you spill the resin? Okay, the the resin vat is a whole different topic. Let's yeah. talk about that by itself. But Carter, so what? Yeah, yeah. You could have said, dude, so we got this leftover motor oil at the place and they charged me a lot to, to get yeah. rid of it legally. And so I'm just dumping it out here. So can you like keep it on the down low for me? Yeah. And Carter would have been like, whatever, aliens, yeah. I'm off. Yeah. 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 He didn't have to kill him. He didn't need to die. No. But he does die thinking... That, that UFOs they, are real. That UFOs are and real. And they came back. And they came back, and then they left because he warned them. Yeah. He takes... <laughs> he takes one picture. Yes. <laughs> one. I'm like, dude, you should be taking a few more pictures. And no mention of that picture ever again. No. Like, that's a good... I think that might have been a scene that got cut. Because yeah. you see that picture, and you're like... Okay, we need to find that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it crashes. So that kind of answers the question. Though, whatever that wreckage is, it's not that thing. It's not that thing. I don't know what it is. And I don't know why it exploded like it had a combustion engine. (laughs) It did. Yeah. 
it did have one. That's why it oh, has exhaust right. it has, parts it has in exhaust, it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it makes so much wind because it's, it, I think we're supposed to think that it has like almost like jets that keep it up. Yeah. I can so see. it's got downward force. It's not like a helicopter. It doesn't have propellers somewhere. No. And then, and then we see the creepy black liquid gas mask shot. And I don't know if this is the first, this is the second time we see yeah, it. Yeah, we see it in reflection but it's another scary. time. Nathan in that black rubber suit with the black rubber gas mask. That's the closest thing we have to a horror villain in serial killer looking horror yeah. villain. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't doubt that that's the kind of equipment you would need to wear if you were working with something like that. Yes. I just wonder how he drives around without wearing that gas mask because he's got the vat bubbling in the back all the time. Or also, like, you have this giant underground storage space. Put the crap down there instead oh, of... Oh, but no, Mark. Then you couldn't kill people on the spot. Oh. Right? Okay. So you, you knock them out and then you just dip and dump. But, Wherever you are. That's it, how it works. Does it get everywhere? It does would get, get everywhere. Does he have more stuff that he fills it up with after he gunks the first one? I don't know, but he's got a tank of like um, uh, like propane or something, something back there. Does he warm it up? If he gets rear-ended, it's going to explode. Yeah. No, that's the kind of thing you would need to keep warm all the time. Because if it's solidified... It may never... It would take forever to heat it back up again. My question was, like, did they did he dip them in... And then pull them out, and then to like dry them off. Did he use a hair dryer, like <laughs> like they do at the hardware store with paint chips? Like, no, I <laughs> I think he lays plastic on the ground. Okay, like a sheet of plastic. <laughs> this is pure midsummer mania. Absolutely. <laughs> How did this psychopath dip people in the molten vat of goo in the back of his truck that he keeps hot all the time? So. He knocks him out, yeah. gets in, puts his creepy gear on, yeah. right? Because apparently these fumes don't go anywhere in the truck while you're just driving it around. Without leaving a trace of this goo anywhere else. Right. Yeah. So he lays the plastic out, takes the body that's not dead yet, takes the person who's just unconscious, dips him in the goo, Yep. lays them on the plastic, and then wraps them up cocoon style, and then Blow dries them? No, I, you wouldn't have to. They're wrapped in plastic. Oh, okay, it's all yeah. sealed up. If you were really careful with the plastic and you sort of laid it over the, the back bumper of the truck and then onto the ground, maybe you could do it without getting any on the ground, but you'd certainly get Or on get you. It. Well, they'd be on his black rubber suit. I guess. So, and we're also told this is an old batch yep. of this polymer and it was his dad's polymer. So it's been around since 84. Why was his dad warm creating polymers? Maybe for lightness for the aircraft, the Omega-4. Okay. But if you're making something that liquefies when it gets heated up, that's not going to be very helpful. No, not on a jet engine aircraft. No. Maybe in space. Maybe. Where it's really cold. But like... (laughs) I just, I just keep thinking about little boy Nathan, who's what, 10 when his dad disappears? Yep, 10. Thinking his dad abandoned them and thinking, well, all he left us was that big vat of goo. Yeah. And in all those years, he didn't go, screw you, dad. I'm getting rid of your big vat of goo. He's like, no, I'm going to keep the goo warm just in case. <laughs> if it wasn't for those lesbians, we would have gotten away with it. Yeah. I, 
Jeez. He, I know, I think, regardless, at some point, he would have been dipping other people in that goo. I he was just so. looking for a reason he, I think he to goo dip people. Just looking for a reason to goo he dip. He was a vat looking for a victim. Yep. <laughs> I'm sticking to it because you just don't do that just to protect your mom. I'm sorry, you don't. If you're just trying to protect your mom, you, you might kill some people and bury their bodies or put them in the bunker where nobody will find them. You don't dip them in a vat of preheated stuff you're driving around all the time and then hang them from a tree. You just don't. Not if you're sane. So the conceit is that Orla and the Faulkner boy... Dylan. ...make this UFO because she is the fawns with engines. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which I'm awesome about. I think it's great that she's a mechanical genius. I do also, but I do have a problem as a parent that she doesn't understand that the best place to learn more mechanical knowledge is college. (laughs) I know. She's going to come around. I hope so, because she's very smart, but she... You know why she's going to come around? Because if she doesn't go to college, she's got to live with her mom. Yes. She's going to go. The computer programmer. What? (laughs) Well, back then, we programmed computers by just slapping them on the side. Oh, And that okay. told them what to do. Yeah. His and it would have been so easy if, if they had created a moment where she fixed the computer. I'm sorry. I'm getting back to the logic. Or the if, booking he, system. if he even said, you know, back in the old day. When you programmed this. You would have fixed this. Or when you made this. Well, you programmed it. You fix it. I'm sorry to keep going back <laughs> to the booking system. I think it's a reason for her to have known Eric, and it's a reason for Orla to be as gifted as she is. Yeah. That maybe she got it from her mom. But boy, oh boy, Abigail's figured things out at the hospital, so she sends an SOS. Yeah, they're on to me. You got to come get me. And I love how Ford is like, yeah, we're kind of like, know each other (laughs) i'm like you so did the nasty with her because her husband did the nasty with your wife he does a great job of acting there that moment of yeah i do know her (laughs) so whatever yeah nathan drags his mom down into that tunnel oh okay those stairs first of all are terrifying beautifully shot they are dutch angle there but they are a death trap yep like one trip and you're going rolling for quite a while yep and we see something that we don't normally see in midsummer we have pistol we have a character with a pistol not a shotgun not a farming gun no a pistol it is a pistol that is scary in the uk and he shoots at barnaby yeah and like Barnaby and Nelson have Nelson to hit the ground. Have to hit the ground and but they go in the right direction. The cops have to go. Barnaby over and over stands in front of someone pointing a gun and says, I'm not moving. Yep. They're so brave He's, in this episode. Nelson is a runner. Yep. And Barnaby's a sneaker. He sneaks yeah. around yep. trying to get behind. And Barnaby is a brave confrontation guy. Yep. He's like, I'm not going to let you shoot this woman. You're going to have to shoot me first. Yeah. Which is really brave because Nathan is obviously deranged. Nathan has lost it. He's got his mom on her knees with a gun to her forehead. Yes. You don't do that. (laughs) 
Bad Nathan. Bad. Children of the base. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Wrong kind of base. Oops. <laughs> it's more like oomch, 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 oomch. I love how he goes through his crimes and he says, he saw me dumping the resin. I'm like, did he? <laughs> and if he did, so what? We didn't see that part. <laughs> like, if you were dumping the resin, then how did you have any to dip him into? Yeah. Did he see you dump it after you dipped him? Oh, yeah, see? Hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> then we get to watch Attack of the Flying Saucers. Okay, before that. Because <laughs> we haven't even talked so, about the stupid birthday thing. So Barnaby says, you want to go out for a pint? And, and it's explained that there's no birthday party because he said he didn't want a birthday party. That's what he said. Yeah. He said it over and over again. And I understand that notion. But yeah. when I turned 50, I was like, I want to go out and have a party. Do we know how old he is? I don't know. It's some major birthday. Is it? I would think so. Anyways, I was staring at the naked lady pic in the in the foyer. Anyway, it's on the st by the stairway now. It's by the stairway now. The the very buxom naked woman. She is moves around the house. Yeah, she. They're gonna have to explain that picture to young Betty. Well, Betty. So Trigrobo's Pictures presents Attack of the Flying Saucers. Not a real movie, no, of course. But they they faked it up really well. They faked it up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think it's a thoughtful present for him. I do also. I feel that the sound from that particular projector would not be that good. And you would need more real for a 16 millimeter version of that <sighs> movie than, than what's there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but. It's it, a good present. It's a good present. It's a thoughtful present. It's a yeah. present from somebody who knows him and knows what yes. he likes. Yes. I think it was nice. All right. Best corpse. In in the gro in in the freezer. I have to say that the the longest on screen and the most messy is Victoria. Felicity. Fel sorry, is Felicity. Flick. Yeah. I love that her friends call her Flick. And that like that's an actress. You'd have to pay me a lot. Yeah. To get me in that goo. And she was probably in that goo for a while. At least at least a day. Yeah. Yeah. Hours. Yeah. In goo. Yeah. That was a work day that she earned it. I agree. Though, yeah. I will say, for best corpse not killed in the episode, there's only one. Eric's corpse is well done. It's yeah. it's well aged. Yeah. Other than that screw. Alan screw. It, yeah. It's it's good. It's yeah. good. All right. After the credits. Well, we have some problems here. If you're the MOD, you're like, you stole our stuff. Mm-hmm. And made it better. So we both want to be upset with you and hire you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's going on there. I think Orla is going to go to college. Yeah. Victor and Nadine will keep running the inn. Yes. Right. Veronica, she probably should check herself into a clinic. Yeah. Some kind of alcohol addiction yeah. program. I think Kath Jones should run the tours now. Oh, little headlight yeah. lady? Yeah. Yeah, she'd be good at it. She'd be good. <laughs> Nathan's going to jail. Abigail's going to jail. Is Dylan going to keep up? He's not going to keep up the UFO stuff. No. Maybe he'll go to college too. I hope Brogan finds somebody. Brogan Steele. Who actually loves men. <laughs> Him? Uh... <laughs> Finds a purpose in life, maybe. 
<laughs> the best part is Jeremy Ford will do nothing and not change in any nope, way. Not at all. No. no, Captain Ford will not change. And I guess that uh, auto repair place is just going to close because yeah. mother and son are both going to prison. Yeah, they are. So that's just going to be done for. If you if you go to Cooper Hill and your car breaks down, you're in trouble. Yeah, I guess. you definitely are. Balding hipster ginger is going to get you. So that's what happens after the credits. Let's talk about what could have happened. Had we not found out that Dylan and Orla had re-engineered the UFO. Okay. Like if there were actual aliens? Like could Midsummer have done that? Could they have shown something that close up and it goes away and then not explained it? No, not It could have still been military. It could have still been military, but the thing is, Midsummer always comes up to the line of supernatural and never goes over. Right. But they're also okay not answering something. They are when Joyce saw the ghost, we we never knew whether she imagined it or whether she saw something, right? Yeah. So Carter could see it and we could be left not knowing whether it was a UFO or a military thing. It could have, but... If it hadn't crashed. I think it would have felt incomplete if we had that. So then is Cooper Hill done with aliens now? I think so. Because now they know that it was just a military experiment and... Yeah. That's going to get around town. That's going to ruin their tourism. Yeah. Poor Cooper Hill. They'll have to come up with something else. They'll put a naked guy in a crop circle. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they'll have to fake some alien stuff now. Yeah. Maybe they'll hire Dylan and Orla to build another UFO. Well, it sounds like they could. And All you gotta do is add a GPS to it. (laughs) Best line of the episode. The navigation system was never right. Ah, you just need a GPS. I just attached my phone to it. (laughs) GPS wasn't invented in 1984. They couldn't do it then. But now, yeah. Oh, we built an app. Yeah. Cool. It's a new generation of UFOs. I'm surprised they didn't have a video camera on it. Yeah. I think they must have. How else do you see what you're doing? Yeah, I guess. Because Dylan definitely flew it right over his dad on purpose. Yeah. It was did. a gift that it he was. wanted to give his dad yeah. to see it. Oh, well, maybe we'll go back to Cooper Hill at a later date in another episode and there'll be more stuff going on there. Maybe. You know, everybody thought that that was it. Turns out that's not what he saw in the first place. That, yep. The incident at Cooper Hill. Yep. All right. That wraps it up. What do we need to say before we go? couple of things. We got some new merch in the store, which is uh, the image of Sykes with all the murder weapons. And Check things. it out. Yep. We have a newsletter that will be coming out the 1st of December. That's our fourth newsletter. Hey, hey, we're going to have some fun stuff in it. Yes. We'll have information about special Christmas stuff yeah. in, that ep- in that newsletter. And this episode will be coming out the 15th of November, but then we're not going to have another episode till the 6th of December. We're going to take two weeks off because of family events and holidays and stuff like that and the end of the semester craziness yep but then we We did eight episodes in october (laughs) we will be back uh for december with a vengeance though we've got all kinds of fun stuff planted planned for the end of the year and the holidays most likely in december we will have our holiday video several episodes and at least one live stream at least one live stream because it's so much fun yeah, we had we so had, we much had fun last such time. a blast the last time so all right maniacs until then bye maniacs bye maniacs
Midsummer male escorts. Your pleasure is our business. Fine. Okay. Are you looking to set up a date? Well, short notice, I know, but I'm getting a little desperate, you see. Oh, okay. Would you like to order more than one escort? Yeah, I was thinking a buffet. Would you like our satin service? Mm, keep it informal, nothing too fancy. Oh, okay. Gardeners or builders? Now you're asking. I'll put you down for a few of each. How many total? Uh, let's say ten. Ten? Well, that's most of our escorts. That's great. Okay, so again, this is a buffet of ten male escorts for tomorrow night. Are you sure about this? Okay, I'll call tomorrow to confirm. Sarah? Ah, there you are. Mwah. Eat in ten minutes. Someone on the phone? Yeah, just a work thing. 